Welcome back to They Don't Make Him Like They Used To on Sunshine Radio. Looking back with rose-tinted spectacles to movies made before the 1980s. With me are Joe. Hello. And Sean. Hi there. Sean, we didn't think you were going to make it. Where were you like, you know, about 10 minutes ago or something? <laughs> I was down by the red jet. So, uh, <laughs> but the traffic wasn't too bad. I was expecting lots of traffic. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, for those of us, for those of you who might be listening to us online or anything like that, we do live in an island and we do need to get a ferry to get here from anywhere. So well done for making it, man. Well done for making it. Probably had the longest commute for, of anybody here. So anyway, what we usually happen on this show is that we go around St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight and we ask people two questions. What is your favorite movie? And tell us the story of the first time you went to the cinema. And we hope, we hope, like we really, 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 really hope that we don't get answers like... I think of one offhand. I'm not a film goer at the moment, so I can't think of one. I'm sorry. You see, now that's just not helpful. That doesn't help, does it? It does not help no. whatsoever. I mean, that just kills our show dead. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, not everyone is like that. But before we do anything this week, we received the sad news that Bob Hoskins, the legend of cinema that he is, died this week. And we just wanted to take a moment to just sort of remember him for the greatness that he was. We just wanted to ask, guys, um, what was the first Hoskins movie you ever saw? Yeah, yeah okay. you go first, um, I think. Oh, yeah, Bob Hoskins. Um, Before I embarrass myself. <laughs> I think he may have been in, um, like, a, a TV production, The Firm. I'm not sure if he's in that. But I, the film I remember him in is probably The Long Good Friday. Mm. Terrific, terrific movie. Um, I think Joe's seen that. And when mm. I mentioned it to Joe, he was like... Really, really good film. Um, and then I think there was one. Was he in the Crying Game as well? Similar one, round about the same time. Wow, the, yeah, the Crying Game. Was he in that? I don't. Uh, well, he, if, if he was, he wasn't a main role. No, 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 no. That's mainly Stephen Rea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forrest Whitaker and stuff. He very rarely had main roles, though, did he? he no, not really. Lord, Long Good Friday was probably probably his it's probably first the, main role. I think so. Yeah. yeah. It was actually. I mean, it's. Um, I think mine was Hook. Yeah, and uh, I remember. I think because that was also the first film I ever saw a good friend of the show, Dustin Hoffman, in, as well. <coughs> but and, but I remember looking at Bob Hoskins, and the first thing because I used to get these Peter Pan storybooks as a kid, and I used to I was just wondering, wow, who is that Smee guy? He looks exactly like the book. <laughs> he looks exactly like the Disney character. But and, and from then on, he would just pop up every now and then in other things I would watch and all that. And I. Although I thought he was American for five years, I was kind of shocked when I found out that he was actually English because yeah. I think even he himself said himself, well, he turned American for like 10 years and everybody was like, yeah, who's that great American actor? Mm. You know, that guy, we really, really want him in our movies and all that kind of stuff. Credit to his acting skills, I suppose. I guess so. People yeah. believe that. Yeah. I think the first time I ever saw him, it may have been Hook, but it was probably Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Ah. It was probably that. Um, brought the film alive. I mean, a, a real person existing in this animated world with all these animated characters. And, yeah, you did a good job. And the good ability good to just play totally straight. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> although, although I think probably my favorite Bob Hoskins story has to be the Untouchable story. You guys heard about that one? No, I haven't heard that one. Is that the one with Robert De Niro and he was going to be. Well, well, he was going to play Al Capone. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Bob Brian, Hoskins was yeah, going to play Al Capone. That was the original idea, yeah. Brian Jeez. De Palma didn't think he could get Robert De Niro, so he actually, they contracted Bob Hoskins to play Al Capone, and he'd started preparing for the role and everything. Then when they got Robert De Niro, they <laughs> they got Robert De Niro, and then they went, um, 
of they phoned him up and they're like, sorry, we don't need you, but they sent him a check for something like fifty thousand mm. pounds or something. And didn't that come out of De Palma's pocket? I think I read somewhere you may have actually paid him anyway. Yeah, you know, they, they, they paid pocket, him. Yeah. They paid him anyway because they contracted him and then they they like messed him about. And he sent Baron De Palma a message saying, "Please let me know anytime you don't want me to appear in a film." <laughs> <of yours." laughs> so yeah, that's Bob Hoskins, uh, who died this week. Uh, the film world is poorer without him in it. I mean, he hasn't been in much in the last couple of years because I think he was fighting with Parkinson's disease. Mm. But, um, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things that so sort of gets you and you think, oh, man, we're never going to see that guy again. That, yeah, that kind of sucks. Which mm. is a shame. Oh, um, so, yeah, rest, rest in peace, Bob. Now, uh, carrying on with the show this week, uh, we want to start this week with a carryover from last week. So, yes. as I said... We, <laughs> as I said, we do talk about. Um, uh, I'll explain why we're what we're, what we're doing this in a sec. But this is a carrier from last week, so I'm going to play the interview that is causing this. My absolute favorite film was Blade Runner. The oh, it's just that film, so good. The music in it, and the, the lighting and things like that. It's just oh, every time I hear like the soundtrack to it, it's like goosebumps, and I'm like, I need to watch that now. It's my dad's favourite film, and he unfortunately has passed that bias on to me as well. I can't, I, it's just my favourite film. The, the soundtrack to it is just captivating. It's like, oh, the, and as you've got the music, and then you see the flames coming out of the spires as the cars flying, the police cars flying in at the beginning, you just got that like, it just sums everything up. It's like so futuristic, and yet still based on Earth, which is quite nice. Oh, it's so good. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shore of Orion. I watched sea bees glitter in the dark. So yes, that was Mike in Cowell Ward a couple of weeks ago who said Blade Runner was his favorite movie. Um, now, the eagle-eared amongst you would have noticed that we said that we're only going to talk about movies that were made before the 1980s, and you would have noticed that Blade Runner was made post-1980. It was, in fact, made in... What year was that, guys? 82, I would have 82. said. 82. Yep, yeah. 82 to be exact. So, following our premise, this film shouldn't even get a look-in on our show. But... We have a section called Exception to the Rule with Sean, where Sean picks a movie that, despite being made after 1980s, is good enough for any time period. And recently, we've been interviewing people who, and we've, while interviewing people, we've ended up with a lot of films made after 1980. So what we've done is we've, done, is we've subjected these films to a Sean ruling and asked him, will he pick these films himself? Last week, he decided, yes, Blade Runner would definitely be in there. Blade Runner is a film that we would pick. But we thought we gave it a little bit of a short shrift and we didn't have the required Blade Runner love in that should happen. I think I protested, didn't I? I yes, you, you, did, you did protest. You did protest yeah. and I do agree. So yeah. now we're going to give Blade Runner all of a lovely, wonderful five minutes. <laughs> so Blade Runner, go. Let the Blade Runner love him begin. It's amazing. Lovely. It's brilliant. Fabulous <laughs> film. Which version, which version do you think is the best there, Sean? Um, what, you mean as in the director's cut? Yeah. Yeah. There's um, a, lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of questions thrown up by the different versions of the film. but uh, There is, but uh, they both have their merits, I think. Yeah. Well, well the, fact that the, the fact that Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott till today are still arguing about what the yeah. film means. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and just won't confirm it enough for everyone to be happy to stop asking. What? Uh, did you see it first with the voiceover in, or did you see the... I, I saw it without the voiceover without first. Without the voiceover yeah. first. Do you prefer that? Uh, um, as I say, I enjoyed, enjoyed both versions. Um, if I had to say which I did prefer... Um, I think probably I would would choose that as I saw it first mm. because once I, you see a film first of all I think um, how about yourself I the first time I saw it it had the voiceover but I think I've come to like it more without without the voiceover I think so. yeah I think it's more of a, a, I think a deeper experience I think this has got to be like the most re-edited film of all time well, there's quite a few versions of it yeah, yeah because yeah, it's yeah. it's like and they released the definitive version and then the director's cut definitive version and then the Harrison Ford cut yeah. and then the cut that doesn't have Sean Young in it at all and then the <laughs> <laughs> and then the cut where Gohawa uh, dresses up as a donkey <laughs> and it just seems like there's loads of different versions of it and I think it's it's quite weird because often you get a film that might have a bit of an ambiguous thing but the filmmakers have a really clear idea of what they were doing but they've left it on, on, uh, but this seems to be a film that has confused even the filmmakers yeah, <laughs> where the yeah. two the two biggest creative minds on it so Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott can't seem to decide what the, what the heck the film means <laughs> no or at least whatever they, they think it means they're not like I said they're not just giving us enough to confirm it yeah. I mean the the, the, the big uh, theory there is that Harrison Ford's character uh, Deckard is actually um, a replicant I mean he is actually yeah, a robot that was, that, that's it yeah that's yeah. the, that's uh, the that one. That's the that, that's, premise that's a big theory that Harrison Ford says yes he is actually a replicant because if he isn't a replicant the film doesn't make any sense mm. and Ridley Scott goes no he isn't a replicant mm. <laughs> <And> yet, <laughs> just someone who gets to like you know he, he comes to empathise with them I understand like, like what he's doing might be because if you haven't seen the film it's Harrison Ford who's essentially a bounty hunter for these well, I guess they're robots, robots, androids who have been made by humans, and he's sort of, they've gone rogue, and he's hunting them down and trying to get rid of them. And, um, yeah, and so the Harrison Ford says that the film, it, it ends up being that he's a replicant, and he's hunting down his own, and Ridley Scott says, no, he isn't. <laughs> well, the, the big reveal very early on in the film is that there are replicants that don't know that they're replicants, they're yeah. given these, these false memories and things, so it could, you know, that could make sense. And there's also the unicorn imagery. And there's also the glint in his eye. There's like a light in his eye at one point. I mean, these are these are hints that people pick <laughs> up on to say, hang on, no, he definitely is a replicant. He's not human. You can interpret it how you like, I suppose. I think a part of me likes to think that he probably is, but I don't ever want it confirmed. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm quite happy I, I, to I think I know what you mean. But to suspect. I think I know what you mean. But I do think that people people will dig into these things and people will find all sorts of manner of things even if they're not in there it's like the one that's come up in the last couple of years that's really oh sorry to go off Blade Runner a little bit is the ending to Inception mm. which I think is blatantly obvious what it means but people are people go th over and over that film with a fine tooth comb mm. when it's not that complicated I don't think and it's and I, I've, I think People do that a little bit with Blade Runner. I mean, it's still a brilliant film. Still has some absolutely amazing imagery. Inception has... and Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm talking about mainly Blade Runner now. Sure. But it's like, it's it's got some brilliant imagery. I mean, it's got some... I mean, the, the set design is just amazing. The realization of this future world that you can see how it went from... Because it's Los Angeles, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. You can see how it's gone from now to then, and it's like the throwback to like film noir. And it, there's just a lot of stuff in that film that just makes it brilliant, full stop. Yeah.
yeah it is it's got a great atmosphere great feeling to it it's one of those films i'd like to sort of live inside <laughs> yeah. even though it's a kind of dystopian future it's still this this lovely comfortable grimy sort of <laughs> it sounds like this might be one of your top it's ten movies it's definitely up there I do, I do. the weird thing i think about this film is that is that it seems to almost have um uh oh god i forgot what i was gonna say Oh yeah, I mean that it's it seems that it was just this one of these moments where everything came together where so even when people are ad libbing it becomes it becomes famous. Mm. <laughs> it becomes like classic. It's just because there just seems to be this great spirit or creative thing going on at the moment where they at the t- I mean, at the time of the film where they just ended up going, Yeah, whatever we do is gonna be great. Yeah, can't do any wrong with this. Let's yeah, just, let's just make the film and wanna be- make up a speech, go for it, Rodger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was an easy production. Though. I think there was quite a lot of trouble. Perhaps they weren't aware of that when when they did it. Um, or you reckon it was just kind of? Do you, do you think it was a bit like the Harrison Ford shooting the guy in in the Indiana Jones movie thing, where <laughs> they were just kind of like, it was like, I want to make up a speech. Oh, we don't care anymore. Just go for it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> then two months later, in the edit suite, they're like, Wow, hang on, that's gold. We've got something here. <laughs> I, don't I don't know how they put it together, and I don't know what the process was. There's a lot to be read on that film. There's a lot of material available on it, but uh, whatever they did, they did it well. Okay, cool. you, sorry, yeah, just on that. There's, I think it's the book it's based on. Have you read the book it's based it's on? The Philip K. Dick book. book, book yes, yes. Do yes, Androids yes. Dream of Electric Sheep? sheep. Yep. Yes, yeah. Short, short, short story, isn't it? Yeah. I think. Did you enjoy it? That was a long time. That was whilst I was. Whilst I was studying in high school, actually. But yeah, I remember liking it. I remember being different. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember thinking it was good. Okay. Okay. Right. We are... Um, guys, we have like... Okay. Final thing. Final thought on Blade Runner. Um, if you haven't seen it, see it. I, I, uh, I, if you've seen it, see it again. <laughs> Which version? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd go just grab any version they're not they're not different enough for you to like or dislike you won't hate it by seeing one version and love it seeing another but um, there are different interpretations yeah, because I've, I've never seen the voiceover version but I've heard really really horrible things about that but then again if it's the first one you saw then I think you'd like you'd, you'd be more forgiving of it um, it's not that bad it just takes away some of the, the mystery and the, 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 that wonderful atmosphere that the film has okay alright cool so that's Blade Runner. That's our Blade Runner loving. Because quite frankly, I'm pretty sure that if you let us, we could go on for the whole hour mm. just talking about this film. <laughs> so we are not going to do that. We're going to carry on. And this was um, this was yet another film that somebody chose as uh, that, that somebody chose as a recommendation of this. Said, "Oh, my favorite film recently that was made after 1980." So we're going to subject this to Sean once more and ask him, "Would you have chosen this to be one of?" your exceptions to the rule. Here we are with Lynn in the Friends of St. Mary's shop. Oh, recently. I, I loved the the Marigold Hotel. Is it a recent one? That, that was lovely. That was a good, fun film that everyone could enjoy and there was lots of laughter going on in the cinema. I think it was, it, again, it was a group of old, older people, not old, um, older people who were determined to have fun in their later life. Yeah. And apparently there's there's a sequel coming out soon that I'm looking forward to. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. And how about um, so if we're, not, if we're not talking about recent, if we don't re, if we don't um, keep it, so if you say like favorite film, I don't know of your like. Oh, I don't know.
Yes, from the soundtrack of the best exotic Marigold Hotel, that was Long Old Life by Thomas Newman. So, guys, best exotic Marigold Hotel, what do you think? I'll let Joe have the first say on this okay. one this uh, time. I was really looking forward to this film. I thought the trailers um, sold it really, really well. It looked like a good, uh, good old-fashioned, funny, uh, touching interesting kind of film and then you see the cast and you think whoa you know judy dench and maggie smith mm. and bill nye who i don't think i'm the only person in the world that absolutely loves everything that bill nye does uh, but i certainly am one of them uh, and the cast is you know incredible and you're thinking wow this is unmissable wow absolutely absolutely you <laughs> okay. got to see it. after an intro like that there's only one way to go isn't there <laughs> <laughs> well so went along to see it and um and I felt kind of empty, to be honest. I felt kind of kind of let down. Okay, I mean, I think like you were saying with with the cast, with with all the actors that were in in the cast, you know, they were. I think they were just having a good time. I mean, they'd gone there. I didn't think there was any real, real outstanding acting. Acting, great film. Yeah. Um, you know, good fun, good laugh. I can understand why people liked it, but yeah, it the, wasn't. It wasn't. There was nothing really wrong special. with it, was there? No. There was nothing really, really wrong with it, and yet. Have you been sort of dreaming of a sequel? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <Is> it, <laughs> I think it's it, mainly the money men who have been dreaming of a sequel. Sequel, yeah. So. Because it made loads more money than it cost to make. Wow, yeah. yeah. I mean, Joe knows quite a lot about the director or a few. I, not, not loads, but I some of the other films. I don't, um, oh, John Madden. Yeah. 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 Well, he, he did, Shakespeare in Love. He did Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, which yeah. I've never been hugely <laughs> over, over enamoured with. And, and dare I say the words Captain Carilli's Mandolin? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He also uh, has yeah. to own up to having directed that. Yeah. I, I, I guess they must make money, though, because um, he's still working. Yeah. <laughs> still winning Oscars, apparently. He's Shakespeare in love. Well, that was a while back. That was, was a while back. But I think the, the thing with it is, like, you say that there, there's no real great performances, but I did quite like seeing Maggie Smith as an irascible racist yeah <laughs> yeah, we just, yeah. She, yeah that was it was mostly confined move. to a wheelchair for most of the film and just sort of like going around all that kind of stuff there, there are a few laughs from that i suppose i just i don't know i just felt a little bit awkward in, in places and but like i said there was nothing majorly wrong with it i just i was expecting i think it's not as good as as, as the, what you would think it would be well, yeah, I think What's I the phrase for that is greater than no less than the sum of its parts. There we go. I think it just it, it doesn't seem to hold together that well. Like um, it's it's it has it has good scenes here and there and everything that you can see that in, but it feels like especially I remember the intro to the film where they're introducing you to all the camera ca- characters. It doesn't feel like it flows. It feels like you're introduced to one character, then it stops, and then mm. introduce you to another character, then it stops. They're all over they the place. Aren't they? Yeah, it's quite fragmented. And, it, and because it's about seven groups of people you're trying to introduce yourself to I mean, it's i think it's it gets a bit it 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 doesn't flow i think the way that something like that would need to flow it would need to like okay if i compare it to the beginning of the avengers for instance where you're introduced to all these people but they have like a sort of theme running through it yeah. with this one there isn't really any theme and how they all end up to go to the same hotel isn't really kind of like this yeah yeah I'm, it's 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 a bit it's a bit contrived mm. but i mean having said that I, it, it is it's one of those films that you'd have to you'd have to damn with the faint praise of saying it's it's inoffensive yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's 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 okay to watch unless you take offense to uh, maggie smith <laughs> maggie smith right. yeah. <laughs> well yeah i'd say when i was watching that i was watching that with my wife and there were a couple of the like some of the first utterances she says in the film and our jaws hit the floor yeah. like 
What? They can can get away with it. It's like, what? What did she just say? That's okay. It's Maggie Smith. It's it's Maggie. It's it's (laughs) Professor McGonagall. I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah, back to Hook. (laughs) So it's like, so it's just like, oh, uh, so you you do have that, um, that that running through the film. And one of the things I do love about it is because I've never been to India, but grew up in Nigeria and. I think that filming in India would probably be as crazy as trying to film in it because they're going to like some sort of street markets and all that kind of stuff. And even the the director himself said that he said one of the biggest challenges was filming in India where you bring out a camera and it, it causes a crowd as people all gather around the camera and they don't care that you're making a film or anything like that. Yeah. And so for, and there, there was a bit, it's one of the films where you would think because they're doing with the whole, like, you know, uh, thing going for the gray pound, so to say, and like, you know, getting older people, going off, having a jolly and all that kind of stuff, they could have created a very, very stereotypical, old school, almost racist view mm, sure. of what India was like. But mm. I think that it's one of the films I saw that I actually thought, you know, this, this coming from a country that has similar sort of like cultural issues and infrastructure issues as India does I'm like I, I recognise this this is yeah. really 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 yeah, good yeah they did that quite nicely yeah. they, they did actually yeah like you say they did actually film in, in Jaipur that's probably the reason they're making a sequel a nice little holiday for uh, <laughs> for the cast but no I know what you mean I just I found just walking down the road in India you'd, you'd attract a crowd oh, yeah. so yeah. filming a movie like that with those must have been must have been a nightmare yeah well so um oh good lord I had a question that just went off my head alright it, it's a bit like okay, where, where was was um, the Love Punch? Has any one of you guys seen that? It's a recent movie. That I just been... I did go to see the Love Punch actually. Yeah, yeah. is that really? the uh, that's a Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan, Brosnan Emma Thompson. Thompson. Yeah, Celia Imrie, who's in both films. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Celia Imrie, who's and lives on the island. Does yeah. she? Yeah. No, I, mean, I didn't what? know that. Yeah. Celia Imri lives in cows. Hello, Celia, if you're listening. Yes, yes, I know. I've, I've, that's why I've, I was, I've been thinking we've got to be careful what we say because oh. we could very well run into her. I think, I think <laughs> you, may, you may have misinterpreted my remarks about this film. Actually. I actually quite liked it. Yeah, 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 it was, yeah. good, yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, but uh, I think it, it's, it has that whole idea that you feel maybe like some of the actors saw the other people who are going to be in the film and thought, well, I've got to go work with them. Yeah, Jodie Dench is in it. Sign up. It's like, where are we going to be filming? India. Oh, yeah, I've never, let's go. And you're paying us? Yeah, and Love Punch has the same thing. Where are we going to be fil- filming? The Riviera, south of France. I'm there. So <laughs> let's go, yeah. <laughs> so, I think what put me off that one was uh, the last Pierce Brosnan film I saw was The Matador. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I've got to see that. I've heard it's quite good. I... Okay. <laughs> you you disagree. I didn't. I thought it was all right. It was in a, it was like, like this inoffensive, but nothing <laughs> It's funny how everything's connected because yeah. Piers Brosnan was actually in the Long Good Friday, which we mentioned the the Bob Hoskins movie. Was he? Yes, yeah, one of it. I think it might have been one of his first roles. He actually is a bit of a um, assassin, an yeah. IRA assassin. Yeah. Ah. So if you see the Long Good Friday, you should look out for Piers. And Bob Hoskins was in Hook with Maggie Smith, who was in the Exotic Marigold Hotel. Hotel. <laughs> there we go. Good. Oh, and if we're going to go back to last week, it kind of... But you know we were talking about Lilacs in the Spring? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guess whose first film appearance that was? First film appearance? That was that was the... I, I got it, the... Um, Ben-Hur guy. Wasn't Stephen Boyd? Stephen Boyd. Was it? O- okay, yeah, but yeah. there was somebody else whose fil- who's first oh, film well, appearance who, who that was. Is, whose first appearance was it? The name is Bond. James Sean Bond. Connery. Sean, Sean Connery. His first role. First role. Lilacs in the Spring. Lilacs in the Spring. Oh, I'm so glad I came here today. <laughs> <laughs> I would never have known that. All right, okay, cool. <laughs> All right, now, and people, it is time for 
Joe's First Clue, where Joe gives us a couple of clues throughout the show, and we're going to try and figure out by the end of the show who it is he's talking about. So, Joe, what's your first clue? Right. I'm not one for remembering facts and figures and things, but uh, the first clue is, is um, it features dates and Oscars. So, see if you can work out from this who you think might fit this bill. The screen legend, which I am uh, hinting at today, was nominated for five Academy Awards. He won once. He was nominated in 1945, 1946, 1947, and 1949, before finally winning the Oscar for Best Actor in 1962. Now, okay. I, would, I wouldn't normally have just given dates, but I thought having been nominated 45, 46, 47, and 49, yeah. anyone that would remember someone being repeatedly nominated might be able to work it out from that. So he finally won an Oscar about he finally almost won, 20 years after he, after he first got nominated. Yeah, in 62. Finally winning the Oscar for Best Actor. Mm. In, for what film? Ah, uh, <laughs> good try. Good try. Oscar for Best Actor in 1962 is when he finally won. Okay, all right. So we're going to continue with that, and we're going to um, we are going to keep having other clues throughout the show, and we'll try and figure that out by the end of the show who it is that Joe is talking about. All right. Now, following on from last week, um, we had Mike, who gave us the gift of Blade Runner as a topic to discuss. Thank you, Mike. Yes, thank you very much, Mike. He also gave us Star Wars Episode One. The Phantom Menace as a movie he absolutely loved. Silence there. I guess we'll take the bitter with the sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and even though the, now, even though this film it had a lot more love in this studio than the vitriol that's usually reserved for it outside in the world, it got me thinking: What is a film that you personally love, but everybody around you seems to just tell you you're an idiot and hate? So. I have a couple, but if you guys want to, do you guys want to go ahead with it first? If you've got a couple, you go first, yeah. and then you will, 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 because uh, I'm not sure I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is okay. This is not particularly a film that I love. <laughs> it's not particularly particularly a film that I I love, but it was a film that I suggested that we all watch because I was in my, I was like, hey guys, let's go watch a film. Let's not just go watch a film that we know is going to be a sure thing. Let's experiment a bit. I've seen a bit of a review about this film. Let's go watch it, and it's a film called She's So Lovely. That has Sean Penn in it, John Travolta, um, uh, Robin 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 Wright. Robin Wright. I think she was still Robin Wright Penn at that mm-hmm. time, but Robin Wright. So good cast. And this was John Travolta back when he was still doing good stuff. And it was directed by um, Nick Casavitis. So I was thinking, oh yeah, this this seems to have a good thing. I've heard a lot about this in Casavitis. The Casavitis family are supposed to be quite good, mm-hmm. and um, so I convinced my family, uh, like my family, to go rent this film for the local blockbuster and let's go watch it. And they have never let me forget about <laughs> it. They they keep going, oh yeah, yeah, don't let him pick a film. He's going to pick. She's so lovely again. She's so <laughs> she's so lovely. So it's not particularly that I like the film. It's just that everybody just uses it as a stick to beat me with and says. That, yeah, that's a film that you like and of that, that that we tell you that is absolute rubbish. <laughs> and you're not going to give in. You're going to say, no, no, I stick by my choice. Well, I stick by choosing the <laughs> film. I might, not, I might not have enjoyed the film that much, especially because everybody was telling me every five minutes how rubbish it was. But, <laughs> but at the same time, I stick by my choice to actually go for a film that wasn't like a blockbuster or anything like that. How about you guys? You got one, Joe? I have. Uh, go I'm on, still go a little it. bit wary nah. about telling people. All right. Um, 
please don't shout at me in the streets um, for this, but I actually, every now and then, I uh, lock all the doors, pull all the curtains, make sure everyone's out, and I put the 1998 Godzilla on. <laughs> you know, and I sit there, and I think no one, no one knows, and, and it doesn't matter what people think, because because I like, I quite enjoy this film, and I convince myself that it's all right to like this film, and I know it's not, but I do. I I, I like that. You like it as well? Too. Yeah, oh, I do. I do actually. Sean, I'm so, so you glad found, you, you found an ally there. I, I I understand the problems with it. I if, if you like Godzilla films, which I do, you shouldn't like that film. You shouldn't like it. But I, I have a place for both the originals. I have a place for that terrible, terrible 1998 film that I love. And uh, I'm making room to have a place for the one that comes out in about two weeks' time. Yeah, but all the advanced word on that is, is looking good. Spectacular. It's, sounds good. It sounds good. The problem is that the the preview, I remember the trailer for the 1998 Godzilla was amazing. It was, yeah. They had like three trailers that I remember watching and just thinking, oh the, my word. With the thing coming out of the water was one of them and the guy the, was fishing. There was one, yeah, the, the ones with the guy fishing, there was the yeah. one in the in the Museum of Natural History yeah. where they're talking oh. about the dinosaur being the biggest predator and, and then, then the, the foot, foot comes through and just crushes. the T-Rex. <laughs> and the, the trailers, I remember watching the trailers and going, this film is going to yeah. be awesome. Yeah. And the final film, I mean, it's it's, it's I think silly. it's a silly film. Well, I, th I think the problem with it was it was one of those things where the expectations, the trailers raised the expectations so hard high that it and it wasn't an excellent movie. No. It was an all right movie, but it wasn't excellent. And so people were like, "You lied to us, rubbish." Yeah, yeah. Never make a Godzilla film again, Ronald Emmerich. I mean. I just look at the individual. I actually quite like the soundtrack. I think David Arnold did a really good score. Some great sweeping music in it. Mm, I think Puff Daddy, scene, Jamiroquai. Well, I wouldn't go so far. <laughs> but the actual score was quite good. <laughs> and I actually think that the the scene where where they get like five or six um, helicopters chasing him through the city, and it's just this this chase scene that goes on for quite a while. And they're using the the cities of New York as if they're walls of a maze. And he's hiding literally in this maze of New York. And I just think it's fantastic. I think it's a really great scene, really, really good action scene. Cool. Sean? Um, well, you, you've sort of got me a bit stumped here, but there's one one film, and I only saw this on the TV, and it's going back a few years, and obviously growing up with people that had been in the Second World War, there was this film called Objective Burma. Oh. And everybody, um, black and white film, yeah. Errol Flynn, superhero, And I remember everybody sitting around Christmas saying, oh, it's a rubbish film that is, and nothing happened, wasn't like that at all, he was out there, oh. sort of a hero. So, um, but I really, really love that every time it comes on. The historically inaccurate thing came into it, didn't it? It did, big uh, time, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I've so, seen that, uh, I didn't think that was too bad. That's a good, good movie, but yeah. I think the generation, that when it came out, because it caused lots of fuss, I mean, I think it was... Um, It was was stopped in some some British cinemas wouldn't show it because they were saying oh it's not was the Americans were hardly out there you know that's how it caused quite quite a lot of fuss really oh was it one of those films that makes the Americans seem like they won the yeah, war yeah 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 it does yeah yeah oh yeah uh, but you. but in fact it's a really really good movie but my I always get a bit of stick for that from my my father he's like oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're watching that bloody rubbish <laughs> load of nonsense that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we also have like a, a couple of other, other things that like Transformers, the movie, not the Michael Bay one, but the 1986 animated movie yeah. of Transformers. Oh, What's yeah. wrong with that? Yeah, I love that. I love that, that but apparently people think it's rubbish. 
and oh. I didn't. I was shocked when I found this. I was like, "What do you mean? They th- it's brilliant!" It's very good. And and I, I, it only became more brilliant when I found out that it was Orson Welles' last role. Orson Welles did the voice, yeah. Yeah, of, of the big, massive planet-eating robot. So whose name is Unicron. Unicron, thank you. Unicron. Yes, get Unicron. Out of the <laughs> there, and and there are a couple of TV shows that nowadays people sort of look back on with quite like like they're they're a bit embarrassed about because they say, Oh, that was oh, that was totally racist, or I can't believe that. And it was like Mind Your Language. Uh, Mind Your Language was on ITV and um oh, I think it was Love Thy Neighbor. Love Thy Neighbor, yeah. Yeah, Love Thy Neighbor. Seventies TV series. Seventies TV series <laughs> where a black family moves in bes- besides a white family. That's it. And growing up, okay, I'm black. Growing up in Nigeria, we loved those shows. <laughs> we absolutely loved those shows. I mean, we loved Love Thy Neighbor because it showed this idiotic, and we didn't realize at the moment, but looking back, yeah, he was kind of racist, at least culturally, if not overtly racist, white dude, who was an idiot. And the black guys were always getting one over on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we absolutely loved that. And then I come over here and realize that people are like, oh my God, mind your language. Oh, you can't watch that. That's just such an embarrassment. Oh my God, love thy neighbor. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Okay, we're the ones that they're supposed to be racist towards. We love those shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen mind your language? I, I I've never watched it. I've seen bits and pieces. I've seen clips and I've never watched a, a full episode or anything. All right, my sister's got the whole box set at home. <laughs> so the campaign to get them Rebroadcast like starts every, here. Every stereotype. Yeah, it's, 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 like, it's like every stereotype is in there, but I'm yet to find <laughs> anybody who's supposed to be insulted by that show, like who's from that ethnicity, who is. So yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, but it's just one it's something like where it just seems like there's just this general thing. Okay, that's it. Oh, we're not going to like those shows. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, moving on swiftly as we're running out of time. It is time already for your second clue, Joe. Right, okay. Sticking on the Oscar theme, we know this guy was nominated in 1945, 1946, 1947, 1949, and then finally won in 1962. Sticking with that, the screen legend was actually the president of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences from 67 to 1970. So he was the president of the uh, Academy, and having previously marched with Martin Luther King, he felt so strongly of the cause that he decided to postpone the 1968 Oscar ceremony after Martin Luther King's assassination. Okay, so he was the president of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, uh, had previously marched alongside Martin Luther King and felt so strongly of this cause that he decided to actually postpone the Oscars in 1968 after Martin Luther King was assassinated. Interesting. So think Very of, interesting. It is interesting, and and when that's, when you find out me. when you find that's out who thrown, it is, it, it'll all become very clear when you find out who it is. That's thrown me again. It's a okay. better clue than it seems. I I think I know who it is. You do. That's I, good. I, I have, I've had somebody in my head since the beginning, but we shall see. Mm. Okay, now it's time to move on with the show. Um, on to. Oh, we have a regular feature where people just tell us about the first time they saw, the first time they went to the cinema, what film it was that they saw, and all that. And this week, we have um, Adam, Adam Allen, who is going to tell us about the film he first ever saw at the cinema. And here is Adam. Yeah, the first time I went to the cinema, I was about, I was about eight years old, and uh, I can remember being taken by my babysitter, who was the girl who lived opposite, who was probably only about 16, 17 herself. I think she just learned to drive, so she was able to take me to the cinema. And it was a film called... I was, I was into sci-fi, as every kid is at the time. And uh, it was a film called The Black Hole, which, sadly, 
actually bombed in the cinema completely. It was over, so overtaken by Star Wars that everybody forgot about this other movie. And it had some quite good characters in it and had a, like a floating robot. And um, it, was, it was quite dark as well because they had like all the crew of one of the spaceships had been turned into robots. And uh, for that moment, it was, I can remember it actually in my mind as being quite a thriller. You know, it, it, it ends with a very bizarre sequence of the ship going through the black hole and it's like passing through heaven and hell. And there, there are moments with the, uh, with the crewmen surrounded by fire. And then there's moments when there's angels. And then at the end of it, they pass through a white hole and appear somewhere else. As if they've passed through heaven and hell to get to where they're going to. But the, the thing about it that, that I remember the most was that the cinema was so old. And I mean, this is, I'm not that old. And this cinema was in my sort of local farming town where I was brought up and you had to drive sort of 15 miles to go and see a film and the cinema was so old it was still gaslit even though this was late 70s and I can remember them you know there was an organ at the front of the stage that, that was sort of like partially covered up from when they had the black and white movies but it was it's it's a shame the cinema doesn't still exist the building's still there but it's it's used for something else now but um you know, I can remember the, the, sort of like the, the flickering and the noises of the gas lights. It, it was just a sort of a such a special moment of going to the cinema for the first time and seeing all these deco shapes and um, things I'd never come across before, like the folding seats and things. Uh, and everything was so hard, like the whole folding seats would have no padding in them left. It was just just a, a lovely sort of cinema experience, whereas if you compare it to today's cinema where everything's sort of plasticized and modernized this was the extreme opposite of it it was just you know the film has always struck in my memory i mean it, it wasn't that great a film but it was just the whole thing of going to the cinema and it being a really special occasion the first film i see in and it's and it's in this really old cinema and i can remember it was it was actually so old that the the upstairs sort of balcony was was excluded you couldn't go up there because it was too dangerous so you were only allowed to go in the stalls at the bottom it, but it was just a, a fantastic experience of going to the cinema for the first time. So, yeah, that was Adam Allen. And if you're wondering what the squeaking in the background was, that was his dog, Biggles. Oh, I thought it was Gordon the Gopher. <laughs> Gordon the Gopher trying to get in on yeah. that. Okay, so, guys, quickly, the black hole. Uh, uh, do, you, do you want me yeah, to start? Yeah, okay. we'll start with um, positive. Because this right? is a film yeah. I haven't actually seen. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I know it takes a lot of flack. Um I haven't seen it for a while, um, but I remember when I first saw it, I, I, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was quite a fun film, yeah. you know, nothing, nothing really exciting. I, and the things I remember is um, there was like a, a villainous robot. I think he was called Maximilian. He was sort of uh, very had lots of lots of angles, and I seem to remember he just was really really nasty sounds to like all these should, other robots. Sounds like he should have had a mustache that he twirled. It does for sure. Yeah, he was he was the bad guy, and the good guy was um I think his name was Vincent mm. and I seem to remember he had like a he was an odd shape thing he had these two legs he had one leg and like a ball on the other leg and they used to float around and and sort of do stuff so um I, I didn't think it was too bad it's a shame it took so many knocks really yeah I think I think Joe's of a different opinion well, I was getting all ready to destroy it but listening to uh, who was it that who was it that was telling us about Black Adam Black? Adam listening to Adam I'm, I'm sort of I can imagine how it would be quite a nice uh, quite a nice cinema experience, particularly as it's a Disney film, and you actually go into it and come out with something 
that was trying to be a bit more meaningful than your typical Disney film. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of have a bit more, a bit more of a respect for it now after hearing that. I think, but my, personally, I felt I just felt it seemed like a, a overly extended episode of Lost in Space, without <laughs> without the sort of the characters, um, and without any kind of, I don't know. There was very little purpose to it apart from to find out what this 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 scientist was actually up to. And there was an awful lot of very little going on for a large, large portions of the film. I mean, I, I don't want to tear it down because I think it was it was brave, and, and Disney should be more brave uh, at the moment. But I just I just felt there's not a lot in there to really keep the, keep my attention. Okay. Is that is that cruel? Well, no. I mean, if 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 that's what if that's what you think, that's what you think. Yeah. I mean, I ha- I haven't seen it, but it's one I have. I know. I think it got remade a couple of years ago. And it's something that is one I've wanted to see because I hear that the ending of it is quite infamous. Mm. Or it's, it's quite infamous, and it seems like people people accuse the film. This is just what I've heard of, of like um, because it was made. It was Disney trying to cash in on the Star Wars money. Yeah, because Star Wars had just come out, and everybody was everybody was trying to make a space movie. Even Bond got in on it with Moonraker, sure. and it's um. And it seems like what they went, what they ended up going for was something that was pitched somewhere between Star Wars and two thousand and one. And yeah, without the the sort of depth of two thousand and one or the excitement or the fun. of Star Wars, <laughs> Star yeah, Wars. yeah, it kind of missed both of them. I think that's how I. That's a good way of putting it. I have to get on the loft and show you. I've actually got a poster book of the black hole, and it's uh, it's fairly big size and um, A three, and it's got all scenes from the film. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. It's, it's one. I, it's one I really want to see. I just couldn't find it anywhere to watch legally before, <laughs> before the show. <laughs> Cost so, me all of like twenty five pence, I think. <laughs> okay. All right. So the black hole. That's a uh, um, yeah. Adam's memory. Hopefully, Adam, we haven't just totally destroyed that for you. No. No, I liked it, Adam. No. I liked it. And the, there's a John Barry score, which which you know, which is always a good thing. Which tends to lift most films. Well, I'd, well, although the other thing that I want to talk about that he said, but in another show, is just about the cinema, how he's describing the cinema and everything yeah. like that, and just like talking about the the coolest cinema you've ever been to. I think that, that would be pretty, pretty cool. It does affect the way you see a film, doesn't it? Where you see it and the condition under which you see the film. Yeah, yeah. I, I know which one I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to keep <coughs> that for another show. Mm. Anyway, um, now... The third clue. We're running right. through these quick today. This one will either clinch it for you or it will throw you right off. Okay, we've done the whole Oscar thing. He was a big supporter of the, uh, Martin Luther King. Um, and this screen legend is actually responsible for playing what the American Film Institute voted as the greatest screen hero of all time. That was in 2003. The AFI voted uh, this actor's performance in a movie as the greatest screen hero of all time. Indiana Jones came second and James Bond came third. That's the sort of expression I was hoping for. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Utter bewilderment. I, th- I think I'm just going to ignore that one and just <laughs> <laughs> stick with what I was thinking after the first two. The greatest screen hero of all time as voted by the American Film Institute. Okay, okay. We will come back after this next thing to try and figure out who that is. And um, a final feature this evening is going to be a new one that we haven't done yet. It's called Holly White. We are on the Isle of Wight, and we are going to be going through people's experiences or going through the brushes that this island has had, like, you know, cinematic 
history with the island. So here we have actually the guy who was speaking earlier, Adam, it's his wife now, talking about an experience that she had on the Isle of Wight in a cinema that used to exist in Lake, I believe it was. So here is Debs talking about her experience at that cinema. Right, I'm, I'm Debs and my husband Adam is sitting next to me and we went to a film in Lake before we were married, which is over 15 years ago, almost, and... We'd never been to Lake Cinema, but it was very old, um, very small, and we went with a couple of friends to see a film called Sexy Beast with Ray Winston in it, which was a very amusing film. No, it, the... it, it wasn't Sexy Beast. Wasn't it? It, it was called Love, Honour and Obey. Oh, yes, the other one. Anyway. Yeah, another Ray Winston film, but it was called Love, Honour and Obey. It was. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, we went to, this, went to see this with a couple of friends and we were all loved up because we hadn't got married at that point. And um, it was a very funny film. Except... It was a very odd film because it, it was narrated by a man in a suit dressed as a bunny. All the way through the film, the narration was done by a man in a bunny suit. And you only found out why he was in a bunny suit at the end. Yeah, and it was actually quite a violent gangster movie. It was, but the, the apart from the film, what was even funnier is they used to have a puppet show where the two ladies that did the ice cream things in the intermission, during the intermission, between the curtains that came down across the screen, the puppets would appear through the curtain and start doing... I don't know what they were talking about, but it was just so funny... Totally unexpected. We had no idea about this, although I gather since it's uh, it was a tradition and the people that did go to Lake Cinema on the island knew about it. But I have to say it's the most surreal cinema experience I've ever had in this tiny little theatre with I mean, everybody it was, in it was, tears. It was no bigger than the front room of a house, the cinema. It, I mean, it was built in an old shop and you, you literally come in through the front door into the, the equivalent of where the shop front was and then the the cinema was almost like the storeroom at the back. It, had, it didn't slope, it was just seats on a flat level. And the cinema screen was, was smaller than some of the big screens you see today. You know, it was just a, a, a tiny little cinema with... And it, it was proper film, you know. it was it was was They'd obviously paid a fortune for this projector, but it only had enough room on it for half a reel, so they had to, you know, show the film properly in two two parts. But yeah, with, I, with this, I think with this the puppet show was... Yeah, the thing that we mo- we remember most about that was the puppet show, and everybody um, when Lake Cinema shut down a few years ago, unfortunately, everybody had sort of like a uh, a campaign to save the puppets. I don't know what happened to the puppets, but I'm sure for lots of people, I don't know how long the cinema was there, but it must have been a huge experience. Just you know, ignore the film, go and see the puppets. That was the best bit. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> okay. Does anybody remember the? I mean, bef- that that disappeared before I got to the island. But does anybody remember the lake cinema with the puppets? Yeah, I went there quite a few times. Did, did yeah, you? I remember it very yeah. clearly. Yeah, I remember seeing it, but uh, it was closed. Yeah, no. Did you go? You went a few you used times. To see, yeah? Saw quite a few films there. Saw quite a lot of Disney films. Aladdin, The Lion King. Saw Titanic there. Um, yeah, loads and loads of movies. And yes, I remember the puppet shows. They were wow. great. 
There that's you right. go. Yeah. I, I think I think that some of those cinemas. Um, I remember there used to be one. This is this on the mainland. There was one in um, Wimborne, a place called Wimborne, called the the Rex at Wimborne, and that was that was sort of. I just remember the 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 lady. There was a lady that she took the tickets. She showed people to the seats, and she sold the ice creams at half at the interval. A the one lady cinema. One lady cinema. Yeah. Is up there cranking the projector <laughs> as well? Yeah. I think there must have been some old boy up in the projection booth. But yeah. Yeah. No, I remember. I remember most of the films. Yeah, had to have a, a break. Titanic had a, an interval in it. Just um, after that, the infamous scene in the car. Oh yeah. And the, the chaps up on top of the deck looking out, and he's sort of going, "Oh, it's cold." And then there was a break. They had an interval, and the puppets came up. And, <laughs> Ten minutes. The puppets go away, and then they go away. They come back and it's all ice bar. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Back into the film. But no, it was yeah, it was great as a kid. It was, it was brilliant. Better than sitting there for ten minutes doing nothing. Yeah, I do Just wish. Oh yeah, we, I, I, I was gonna. We were gonna talk about um, our weirdest experiences in the cinema, like something that you went to the cinema and you just weren't expecting that this was gonna be there when you got there, mm-hmm. like the one person cinema. Although we we're running quickly, quickly out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think we need to stop talking so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, but um, but it's hard. It's hard when you're talking about good stuff. It is. It is. It is really, really hard. But with that in mind, because we don't want to leave the audience on tenterhooks going, who is it? Who is this screen legend? Mm. We have final clue. Okay, a quote from the man himself. On playing, what we've already established was the greatest screen hero of all time. He said, I put everything I had into it. All my feelings and everything I'd learned in 46 years of living about family life and fathers and children. And my feelings about racial justice and inequality and opportunity. <laughs> Playing the I'm... greatest screen hero of all time. Because you see now I have two I have two yep. names in my head, but I can't I can't even think of who this hero would be. No, that's <laughs> I can't think of Indiana Jones, second, James Bond, third. third. Yeah. It can't be Superman. When I say it, you'll all go, Oh, of course. And yet, at the moment, you're thinking, "Come on, who could be great, greater than Indiana Jones and James Bond?" The only person I can, well, the only. I'm stuck here, man. I, <laughs> I think. Uh, I th- the I think the only, only people I can think of are either Zorro or Robin Hood. Yeah. I, I did think Robin Hood. Yeah. But yeah. But, but it's not Errol Flynn. It can't be Errol Flynn. Yeah, he never got nominated for that many. He never no, won an Oscar. No. Um, Hero can mean more than just a swashbuckling actioner, though, can't it? Okay, I've, I've, I've got I've got my answer that I'm going to stick with. I'm I'm going to have to call a blank on this one. So so this is yours, Tozen. Okay, I'm going to go with Spencer Tracy. Spencer Tracy. Hmm. You haven't got any ideas at all? I, well, I, if I was going to say Spencer Tracy, but I think two, I think he probably died before 2003, didn't he? Uh, this was when it was voted, so I think. Oh, when it was voted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, all yeah. oh, right, okay. <laughs> I was thinking so, 2003. I don't remember yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought, Christ, he must be really, really old. That's when they voted him. Oh, right, Italian, that's when they voted Italian him. Italian Sorry, I, I misheard that one. Um, okay, well, yeah. F- going back that time with all those early years, it, it's got to be someone like Spencer Tracy. So, I, I, that did come into my head. That was on from the first clue, uh, mm. but I didn't. I'm not sure he was. Uh, he would walk with them. Um, Martin Luther King. I'm thinking because the whole race thing, because of guess who's coming to dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like a big thing then, and so. Good. Yeah, that's that's good reasoning. And I'm thinking that it was in the '60s, and I think that might be the film that he won his Oscar for. Okay. But it's um, but yeah, I'm gonna stick with Spencer no, Tracy. It's good. Right. 
like I said, it was five Academy Award nominations. The first one was for The Keys of the Kingdom. The second one was for The Yearling. The third one was for Gentleman's Agreement. The next one was for 12 O'Clock High. And the one that he actually won it for was playing Atticus Finch into Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck. Makes some sense, doesn't it? Gregory Peck. I wasn't kind of. I was kind of in the ballpark though. It all. It all ties back to that role, doesn't it? When you think about it. But I think Spencer Tracy ran about three Oscars anyway, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, I'm sure he did. Oh. Right. Well, if if any role deserves an Oscar, it's Atticus. Atticus. Yeah, for sure. To kill a mockingbird. Crikey. Yeah, yeah. They should have cast. I think they should have cast. Spencer Tracy in that role actually would have been interesting (laughs) (laughs) okay cool so for both Sean and I it is a big massive (laughs) well done to anyone in the hospital if you got it right well done to anyone who actually got this right I was actually thinking because we have about two uh, two hours two minutes left of the show we have about two minutes left of the show, and I was just thinking that um, if anybody's listening to this after it's been broadcast, maybe online and stuff, and if you're down with all this modern technology nonsense, and you can get on Twitter, and let's say you have any things that we, like let's say we're talking about weird experiences in the cinema, or the first Bob Hoskins film you ever saw, I think, um, Joe, you're on Twitter, aren't you? I am indeed, yes. Yeah, was that at Joey Briscoe? It is, that's the one. Okay, at Joey Briscoe. I'm also on Twitter at, at Tajai, which is T-A-J-A-Y-I. Um, do feel free to send us those things because we haven't quite figured it out for the for Sunshine Radio yet. But feel free to send those to us and um, we'll see whether we can get you onto another show and just talk about other people's experiences or thoughts. Sean, you down with this modern day Twitter nonsense? No, I've not got a Twitter account. <laughs> I'm afraid. So Joe will have to set me up with one. Show yeah, me how to set me up. Yeah, As I say, I'm not I'm not au fait with majorly au fait with um, all this this new. But hey, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, mm. it's, it's quite useful. It's quite useful. It has its uses. Mm. It also has its annoyances. Yeah, it, yeah but but um, yeah. I mean, you can you can send a Twitter message directly to Maggie Smith and say, well, you know, what were you actually doing at <laughs> Marigold Hotel? And you can get a response if you like. Wow. Yeah, 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 your response. If, if she 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 was like, first of all, let me tell you, what race are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought she was brilliant in it. I thought I really really like. And I and also in Marigold Hotel, I really really like Dev Patel. Yes, Dev Patel has has yeah. a he has a good track record of appearing in in or having good performances in film set in India. I was going to say he's got a limited. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, because he was in Skins. Okay, yeah. Um, back to the Love Punch. You know, you mentioned the Love Punch. That would be worth a watch. I think if it's still on. Really? Uh, yeah, really. I oh think yeah, yeah. If, we're, yeah. If, if if we're if, if you're about. Yeah, if you get out of the hospital next week and you want to go watch a film, I would recommend the Love, Love Punch. Punch yeah. uh, don't expect too much from it, and it's pretty good. Fun but, film. Until then, um, please do get well soon. Listen to your doctors and remember they don't make them like they used to. See you next week.